Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I am your host, Christiana. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing how to get into it. All right. Let's uh, get right into the news. Uh, you know, unfortunate, very unfortunate news uh, coming from, uh, I believe it was in Atlanta, Georgia. Marcel Ozuna, uh, unfortunately, caught up in a, a domestic abuse case where there's quite a bit of evidence, quite a lot of eyewitness testimonies to be to be had and uh yeah we don't really know where uh his future wh- what his future holds uh it it's not in major league baseball uh i think we've seen the last of marcelo zuna on baseball field uh it's for all the wrong reasons obviously and this is just not it's not a fun situation but you know every now and then you know we tend to forget that these people you know they have personal lives off the baseball field, you know, obviously we see Marcelo Zuna as this you know, crazy power hitter taking selfies around the bases and sometimes at home, they're not the same and it's, it's for the worst sometimes. And that's what we're looking at right here. Uh, yeah. Um, so for those unaware, a, a report came out uh, Saturday night, I believe where uh, Marcelo Zuna had been arrested. Uh, there was, you know, witnesses called witnesses called uh, police saying there was a disturbance at, you know, the Ozuna household and, you know, saying that it seemed to be a domestic abuse thing. Uh, police got there and it, it was still going on. And this seemed like a very long, drawn out incident. And uh, yeah, there's no signs pointing to uh, Marcelo Zuna's innocence right now. Yeah, no, uh, this, it doesn't look good for him uh, on any fronts. Like the police apparently witnessed it happening. Uh, I won't get into details just because it's very graphic for this show. But if you want to know exactly what happened, the, the police reports, they're out there. I believe Jeff Passan tweeted them out. Plenty of other news sources did so. Uh, but they are out there, and it really does not look like Marcelo Zuna is going to be saved from this at all. Yeah, and uh, I guess, you know, obviously there there's the human element, and that's definitely the most important. But I guess you kind of have to see it from a baseball element as well, as, you know, there's obviously going to be a hole in the – Braves lineup, you know, they they just signed him to a, a four year deal as well, worth quite a bit of money. I think it was a total of 80 million because there was a fifth year option 
where the cost of the mm-hmm. option costs about the same as the buyout for the option, I think. I think it was one of those things. But, you know, obviously there's the human element, which is terrible. But also, uh, now, now the Braves are without one of their biggest bats. And, uh, you know, you wonder what they're going to do uh, with the absence of, of Ozuna. I wonder... I'm really wondering, like, do they have a right to, like, exempt him from that contract should things go south and he uh, end up not being in a position where he can step on a ball field for the next, like, one to three years? Because I'm pretty sure Passon said that uh, this these charges were, like, a minimum three years in prison. Right. Yeah, it's um, – I don't know. I haven't read anything – I haven't read anything on it. And uh, I don't know if there's an if there's uh, anything out there on it, and it, I don't know I don't know if it'll be publicized if uh, if we do know about it. But I mean, I'm guessing it will have to because payrolls are are publicized. So if he's not on the payroll, then it will be a uh, yeah then it'll be public knowledge. Um. So just a little quick. Uh, note from Jeff Passon's Twitter. Uh, normally, aggravated assault, which is the charges he's been dealt with, is minimum of one year. But if it's done to a spouse, it's a felony, which is minimum three years, and that's what we're dealing with here, and maximum twenty years. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I've, this feels like something where he probably is not going to get the minimum sentence. It's probably going to be something beyond that because the the details are so uh, out there. And the witnesses are, yeah. The evidence is right there, um, yeah. Very wild, uh, but yeah. I mean, you know, we 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 know how bad we know how bad uh, bad it is. Um, but you know, now you wonder what the Braves are going to do to uh, fill his void, at least for the time being. You know, I think. The best thing, the best way the Braves can go about this is, if possible, get rid of his contract. I don't know if they, like, are allowed to or not, but I mean, I like I can't compare this to any other situation where a guy who was under a significant contract was put in a position like this. Like when you look at the Astros with Roberto Osuna, like he was still on you know his first contract. When you look at uh, Addison Russell with the Cubs, same same situation. Like he was not really. You know, he had not committed to the team necessarily. Marcelo Zuna is really the first guy you look at as someone who signed a somewhat long-term deal. You know, he got a big payday from the Braves, and now they have to to take matters into their own hands there, if possible. Um, obviously, I can't imagine from here going forward the Braves are, or anyone in Major League Baseball is going to want him representing their organization, no matter what numbers he's gonna, going to put up. Um so I think if possible, the Braves need to terminate this contract and make sure Freddie Freeman doesn't walk next year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause this was a discussion point last, uh, last off season with us was, yeah, we were, we asked like, what should, what should they do? Should they focus on getting Ozuna or should they focus on extending Freeman? And, you know, they ended up, they ended up signing Ozuna. They haven't, there's been no public, you know, talks with uh, the club and Freeman as, and Freeman is a free agent after, after the 2021 season. 
So if they don't have Ozuna's contract on their hands, which I don't know, it's possible that that might be a that might be a possibility. Um, then uh, it'll make it easier to extend Freeman and he's, as he's not going to cost that much more per per year. And uh, yeah, it, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they'll they'll look at other uh, other outfielders on the free agent market, you know, in the coming seasons. But then again, you you don't really know what's going to happen with this contract. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure exactly what the like if they're allowed to just get rid of that because I know that you know contracts are supposed to be guaranteed in Major League Baseball. If you sign a contract, you're going to get paid it. Um, I was, I mean, this is a felony charge, obviously. You know, this is very, very serious. So, I mean, I'm sure there is some sort of uh, exemption from stuff like that. Um, I mean, I just and just to go forward on the the Freeman point, like. I know that the Braves, when they signed Marcelo Zuna, they really, they probably couldn't have predicted something like this was going to happen. But this, you know, this is still going to make the Braves organization look bad. And, you know, whether they had a say in it or not, like it's going to fall on them in a way because he wears their uniform. He represents them. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, anything he says or does organization to being held accountable. And, you know, like I said, they chose him kind of over Freeman in a way and Freeman, you know, obviously he's a fantastic player, but he is one of the more liked and more respected players off the field. You know, we see him and like his wife and his son, you know, with those, those videos of them at home. And, you know, obviously we can't, you know, say everything from personal experience because neither of us have met Freddie Freeman. We don't know how he is, but, you know, from what we do see from, you know, social media and TV, he does look like, you know, a very, uh, well-respected, well-respectable individual. Um, and he is the face of the Braves franchise. So, I mean, I think this is an opportunity for the Braves where you have to set a better example than what you have right now and make sure that guy stays around for as long as he can. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Excellent point there. You know, Freeman, Freeman's definitely represented the Braves organization well uh, for his entire career there. Uh, you know, he's been there for 11 years so you know i don't know if it's a you know maybe if this never happened maybe the braves would have signed freeman anyway i don't know how much money they uh they can give up but um but yeah but i think they have no choice now they have to yeah yeah uh i imagine the braves owner has has enough money to uh get a deal like Get get a deal like that done, and uh, you know, probably provide some happiness to the Braves fan base after a, after a situation like this happened. I mean, like if you don't sign Freeman, the look that you're giving to the outsiders is that you gave all that money to an abuser, but you didn't give it to Freddie Freeman. Right. Yeah, that is a uh, that's a that's a good point. You know it definitely would look bad in the, in the public eye. Um, anything more on the, on the situation? I think I kind of laid out everything. Uh, we've probably seen the last of him in the majors and I hope he gets some kind of help because he's obviously not in a good place right now. Um, realistically he's probably going to jail and obviously he's never going to play again. And I have no doubt about that. I can't imagine any team, uh, 
no matter what his offensive production looks like, is going to want a guy like him representing their organization. That's why Roberto Osuna is a free agent. That's why Addison Russell is no longer in baseball. Uh, those were young guys with a lot of potential. And Osuna is only going to be getting older, especially as he, you know, he's going to be, what is he like in his early 30s right now? Um, Something like that. Yeah, I think he's 30. Like he's going to, you know, if he's, yeah, like if he, you know, if he does three or four years or so off the baseball due to the incident, you know, he's going to come back 34, 35 years old and it's, it's not going to be worth a shot at all. Oh yeah, definitely not. He's going to be essentially useless as you know, he's going to be in his mid thirties, not having played baseball for a very long time and you know, the track record. So yeah, any, Mm -hmm. any smart team would not, get involved with him whatsoever if uh if he does indeed go to jail for this and gets that you know minimum three-year sentence uh yeah uh you know you you hate to see a a a talented like a talented individual like himself uh kind of go on this uh on this bad path but it is uh it, it is what the scenario is and uh i guess i guess that's what we have on the uh Marcelo Zuna's story, uh, pretty pretty tragic, honestly, as how it's all gone down. Um, and uh, you know, more Braves news, definitely lighter, definitely all pretty much on the field uh, stuff. Something I found interesting, you know, how it, how this whole thing has been reported, uh, especially by the manager Brian Snicker, uh, Mike Soroka. So Brian Snicker, I think on Thursday or Friday, announced that Mike Soroka was out for the year with his Achilles injury that he suffered uh, in July or August of 2020. And then later on, a couple days later, then he stated uh, that was a mistake. He is actually just going to be reevaluated in two weeks and we'll see where he's at. It's probably not good either way for Soroka, but kind of weird. Like we don't really know what's going on with him. We really don't. The Braves, uh, the Braves rotation needs him. They are 23rd in the majors in starting pitcher F war. Uh, you know, Max Fried was hurt and he's kind of been underperforming. Huskar, you know, is hurt. Uh, they, they need Soroka back and it, it doesn't look like they're going to be getting him, especially for a team that's been sort of underperforming this entire year. Like they've been, um, but yeah, the way Snicker goes about reporting it here is very weird. Yeah, uh, we're, I'm, I'm uh, looking at this MLB.com uh, article um, talking about Soroka, and uh, the quote talking about the quote with Snicker talking about. Uh, how he's retracted his statement says, uh, quote, I messed up today when I was on that little TV show with Mad Dog, you know, Chris Russo, Snicker said. Of course. Uh, Soroka does have a chance of getting back. And I didn't think and I didn't think he did. Uh, so that was my fault. I created a firestorm with all of that. So it's just like he probably just got the wrong information or heard something wrong. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what. It, you know, this has been a, a very long, strenuous process for Soroka. 
So, you know, I don't know how most people recover from Achilles injuries like this. You know, obviously it looked terrible uh, when it happened on the field, but you know, uh, it's, it's tough for him either way. And, you know, he's probably not going to be back for a little bit anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I feel bad for Mike Soroka because he, because he obviously didn't ask for any of this and this was not like a, the injury wasn't like a, like a long process like this was, it wasn't like a big buildup into a long injury. It was a freak accident that happened on a field. Um, that's sort of just, you know, it snowballed into this whole thing where we're not really sure if he's coming back this year, if he's coming back in September or whenever, like it's, it's been very confusing. I just feel bad because, you know, obviously he didn't have to be put in that sort of situation where no one really knows what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And right. You know, you, you talk about the Braves pitching situation and yeah, like when uh, in, in 2019, Soroka was kind of their, uh, ring leader and then in 2020 it was more uh max freed and ian anderson but Reed. but uh yeah it, it just hasn't been the same has not been the same uh since then uh you know freed has not been the same it as he would you know he had he set a high standard for himself he's not you know put you know met that high standard this season ian anderson kind of put a higher standard on himself and he's not uh, quite the same. He's mostly just kind of a good pitcher right now. He's not as excellent as he was last year as it was kind of hard for him to uh, reach that standard that he, that he was at last year. And yeah, Charlie Morton, he's kind of pitching like a, someone who's 38 years old. So yeah, it, it stinks for the Braves that, you know, he's not able to, to pitch for them as he was definitely a, a quality, a quality arm for them. And uh, yeah, I mean, the the best the Braves can hope for is that he comes back for the last couple months and is is good to go for a potential postseason run. Uh, but you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if he actually you know was not able to join them for this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it it sort of is looking more and more like that at this point because um, everyone's just so. I guess confused. I don't know if that's the right way to put it or not, but no one, it really does seem like no one actually knows um, what's going on. But yeah, I mean, at this point, I really wouldn't count on him coming back, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. uh, Unfortunately, but um, yeah. And also the problem with, with this is we don't see a lot of torn Achilles in the sport of baseball. So we don't really know the t- mm-hmm. the usual timetable on something like this yeah uh oddly enough so yeah found that pretty interesting uh from uh the braves end of things a little you know on the lighter end oddly enough for this uh episode but um former brave josh donaldson uh, was uh, in a social media exchange with uh, Dallas Braden and apparently has some information. Do you you, you have more on this, uh, Daniel? Yeah, so I mean, it's kind of been common knowledge at this point that pitchers are using substances and 
you know, the league said that they were, they were going to crack down on it. You know, they did that thing where they took Trevor Bauer's ball and he complained about it. Um, but they haven't, but it doesn't really seem like much else has been done other than that. And Josh Donaldson is going to take matters into his own hands. And uh, what did he say here? What did he say? Yeah. Um, so, okay, I'm going to read the entire exchange. So it starts with Dallas Braden. This was a few days ago on Twitter. He said, quote, Joe West has backed his umpires and the league into a corner. He's got to make somebody enforce it or be, or be damned, or he's going to expose the lack of desire from MLB to enforce the lack or uh, to enforce this, which isn't a secret uh, from the, from their S word, either changes or they're going to see guys using Velcro. So he's essentially saying, you know, Joe West seems to be the only umpire here. That's really taking this thing seriously. And uh, Josh Donaldson responds and says, crazy idea here, but I'm going to throw it out there. Stop cheating. And Dallas responds and says, brother, we both know the difference between pine tar, rosin, sunscreen, and the other stuff being used today. The common denominator is with all of those is how slash if slash when slash to whom they enforce it. It's horribly inconsistent at best. No precedent is the precedent. What's next? So then this is kind of the big one. Josh Donaldson responds and says, I agree. I have an entire catalog of video of, of these guys cheating and it's coming out. Um, I don't know where exactly Josh Donaldson has. Does he have like a social media presence anywhere? Or I mean, not like a YouTube presence. Like I'm assuming he's not doing this through like Twitter. Like this is going to be some big thing. Does Josh Donaldson have a YouTube channel? Um, not that I've heard. Because if he does, I'm probably going to... I'm going to subscribe to it if it exists and throw on those notifications. I sound like, I sound like every YouTuber, you know, subscribe, hit the bell. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll actually do it for Josh Donaldson here because of, because of this video. Yeah. I mean, he's promised, he's promising um, a lot, but I mean, I would be very, very intrigued, obviously, you know, like it's, it's imagine if Mike fires did this, imagine if this is how he did it. Yeah, yeah, he's like, <laughs> I have, I have hours and hours of us banging trash cans mm -hmm. to put it up on YouTube. He I'm did gonna, the whole investigation by himself. I'm gonna make um, it a yeah, I don't believe series. doesn't look. Oh, doesn't look like Josh Donaldson has a YouTube channel that I can find. So I don't know where exactly this video would be going. Maybe on Twitter, but I mean, if it's a whole catalog, Twitter only allows you to put like two and a half minute videos up at a time. So. It's it'd be very interesting. What are you expecting from this? Like, I mean, obviously it's gonna force the league to actually do what they've been saying they're gonna do that haven't really been doing. But I mean, like, I don't know. Do you think the league's gonna try to censor this? Like, are they gonna like? I'm sure someone's gotten a hold of them from baseball and been like, "Hey, don't do this." Yeah, I don't I don't expect a video to uh, come out from from Donaldson's end from Donaldson's end. However, you know, pressure is kind of mounting with this. Uh, with the with you know the talk of sticky stuff you know we've seen a we've seen a lot you know obviously it's not just uh you know pine tar or you know sunscreen and rosin these days there's an advanced way to get better grip on the ball and you know manipulate the ball for for higher spin rate uh that's pretty obvious and there's been there's been a, an article from the athletic this year uh talking about it where you know, uh, JT Realmuto was one of the was one of the the you know inter 
in interviewees that was not anonymous where you know they were talking about it so there's an athletic story there there's the story of uh major league baseball uh major league baseball talking about how they were gonna you know take a closer look at things you know that was all the way back in march and uh mm-hmm. then there was yeah there, there was the bauer story as you mentioned so pressure is kind of mounting with major league baseball there's it's you know becoming their worst kept secret right now in in the year 2021 nice. uh and it seems like their pressure is mounting for them to change things uh in the upcoming years and you know it it just so happens that the collective bargaining agreement ends after this year. So uh, things, things may end up. Oh, that's going to be. It's going to be very interesting with all that. Very, very much so. Um, the most interesting thing ever, like is, I mean, everyone's seen this by now, but if you go on baseball savant and look at Garrett Cole's year by year spin rate on all of his pitches, there's just a massive upshoot in 2018, which is the year he went to the Astros. Uh, he, he, all of his pitches cumulatively just magically got another 270 RPMs. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Yeah, he went from like the 32nd percentile in spin rate to high 90s percentile in spin rate. Yeah, 2017, he was 30, yeah, literally 32nd to 81st to 95th to 94th and now to 93rd where we are now. Um, and Trevor Bauer, I mean, I, I know Trevor Bauer still using the sticky stuff. I don't think his spin rate's going to be yeah, like it adjusted too much if he stops using it because he, he looks into so many other things that it seems like other people just don't. Um, but I mean, Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer are going to be the headliners in this, this Josh Donaldson video. Yeah. I think yeah. we all know that at this point. Yeah, and I think there was a, a story that like the M- the MLB cameras are not or the television cameras aren't showing the uh, pitchers in between pitches as much. Uh, I don't I don't know if there's hmm. much validity validity to it, but uh, you know it's potentially something they're trying to hide. One of my favorite moments was in 2015 when Mike fires through his no hitter and like a bunch of Dodgers fans were like, like showing pictures of like very clearly him having pine tar. And they were saying like, it was like invalid. Uh, this is like, I mean, Mike fires wasn't by any means a name in 2015. Obviously he's more of a name through some off the field stuff now. Um, but like, I mean, if you Google Mike Fires Pine Tar, like you can very clearly see see it in his glove uh, during the no hitter. And I mean, that, I think that goes to show that it really is everyone. And maybe maybe that could just be an Astros thing because, I mean, we've seen the Astros go above and beyond uh, before with you know ways to get an advantage, whether it be you know legal or not. I really wouldn't be surprised if they're the ones that are that are pushing every single person to do it. Yeah, I'm. Uh taking a look i'm actually taking a look at uh charlie morton and uh his spin rates but i don't know i don't know if there's a dramatic change from his strikeout numbers his strikeout numbers jumped up uh starting in well i guess he had good i mean he had good strikeout numbers before i guess but in smaller sample sizes but 
Like, oh he, yeah, they they uh, absolutely. Actually, you know, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess in 2016, but that was only in 17 innings pitched. Yeah, okay. The the most strikeouts per nine Charlie Morton had ever had in like a kind of full season before he went to the Astros was 7.2. He did have 9.9 in 2016, but that was only in 17 innings pitched. Since then, the year he joined the Astros in 2017, his strikeouts per nine by year went from 10.0 to 10.8 to 11.9 to 11.1 to 9.9 to 10.6. So, I mean, the Astros did something. And I'm not saying that necessarily was cheating. I don't know because it's not exactly out there, but it very well could be uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, yeah, potentially there's, there's definitely something there. And obviously spin rate has a lot to do with the growing strikeout rates. It's not just, not just launch angle, believe it or not. Uh, spin rate has a, has a lot to do, has a lot to do with that. I was, ta- I was looking. Yeah. I was looking at this and I think I, I went on Savannah yesterday and I looked at, uh, like, uh, I think it was 23% of pitches, all pitches thrown this year have had at least 2,500 RPMs. And that number in 2015 was like 8%. Like it's, and it's gone up every single year. It's not like it was like 24 in 2020. And then it went to back like a little bit down in 2021. It has gone up every single year since 2015. And same thing with, um, I think 70, I want to say yesterday it was 79 or no, it was 80% of pitches. Um, yeah, 80-something percent of pitches have a spin rate of at least 2,000 RPMs, and that number was below 70% in 2015. Let me check the exact number. Um, yeah, it's it's been growing so high have, that, yeah. that this is... At least is, spin rate, at least 2,000 RPM. It, it, seems, uh, it seems like it's beyond, you know, analytics or training. You know, there probably has to be something ex- external mm-hmm. that is affecting this. Yeah. 83% of all pitches thrown in 2021 have had a spin rate above 2000 RPM. And in tw- and that's not necessarily uncommon. It never really was. In 2015 in 2015 though, it was uh, I believe it was 69.9%, so like just under 70. Uh, which is still, you know, it's obviously very common before spin rate was really a thing, or at least I mean to to the public it was wasn't really a thing. Maybe it was to like you know, front offices and baseball ops, but, you know, just under 70% of pitches. I can't imagine it was anything much lower in like 2014 before we started tracking it. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, what was, uh, did you mention the, what, 2,500 RP- RPMs is like. 23%. Many? So it's 23% now in 2021. Mm-hmm. And it was, and it was, it was eight percent in 2015. Yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a big jump. That's a very big jump. Yeah, if you if you're wondering why the lack of offense, there's your reasoning right there. Yeah, because you know, I mean, curveballs just have more snap to them than they ever have, and fastballs have more quote unquote rise uh, than they than they've ever had, and you know that's that's gone. Mm-hmm. You know the pitching analytics and the whatever they use that's been more to, more of an improvement than whatever hitting analytics have happened in the last you know 10 years uh yeah it's uh yep it's an epidemic for sure and i think mlb uh 
Major League Baseball is there's, there's pressure and it's been a, a big story over the past year. So, yeah, uh, we'll see. Yeah, what, I mean, I'm like electronic sign stealing was a thing before the Astros. Like, you know, the Red Sox got caught with the Apple Watchers that turned out to be literally nothing. I mean, it was something, but they, the league didn't do anything about it. And everyone knew that electronic sign stealing was a thing in baseball before the Astros scandal broke. I think a lot of the, I mean, a lot of the reason why the Astros scandal got so much magnitude was A, because the team won the World Series with it, and B, just because of how crazy advanced their their ideas were. And oh, I mean, yeah. did you see that Eric Kratz recently, uh, did you see that Eric Kratz out of the 2018 Rockies like a couple weeks ago? Yeah, I, I did. I Yeah, because you uh, retweeted it or quote tweeted it mm-hmm. or, or something. It, I did. It's it's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I didn't really get the details on that. Uh, well, so, okay. So I, they had like a massage gun or something like that. They would like hammer against their bench uh, when it was like a, an off speed or something. Yeah, I'm assuming they didn't have, or I don't know. Did they have a? I'm assuming they didn't have the camera in center field. Like the Astros did. I mean, but I'm I don't know. Sure how, I don't no, know I think how they else they would do that. I think that yeah, they had to have. Yeah, it's just no one would care because they got eliminated in three games by the Brewers. Yep, and they scored two runs that whole series too, because figured it out. Like it, like with that, like the way to combat that sign stealing is by figuring it out. Like the Astros did it, or the uh, the Nationals did it in 2019. The Brewers obviously did it in 2018. Um, and obviously, you know, the Red Sox, of course, Alex Cora knew what they were doing. And yeah. The Red Sox were proven to have not been able to do their sign stealing method in the playoffs. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's a growing, it's a growing anyway, thing. I think the point I'm trying to make here is that you might be very surprised with some of the pitchers that are going to be on this list that, that uh, Josh Donaldson is going to release. Like it's not going to be, it's not just going to be your Garrett Coles, your Trevor Bowers, your Walker. I don't know. Like all your, you know, your ACE pitchers, it's going to be like the number five guy on the Orioles. It's going to be, you know, the guy that made three starts with the Marlins in 2017. Like it's going to be a bunch of random people. Oh yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, in in the late '90s and early 2000s, it wasn't just Barry Bonds, uh, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, and you know Rafael Palmero. It yeah. wasn't just them who were doing steroids. There were I also mean, guys that were at the Mendoza line who were also doing steroids. If you go look at the Mitch report and read through every. You uh, cut out there for a little bit. Can you say that again? No. Okay. Yeah. If you if you go and look at the people that were in the Mitchell report, you, you probably aren't going to know half the names. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, it was a thing where like everyone was doing it, and it's kind of mm-hmm. the same thing with with pitchers with, uh, you know, pine tar and beyond that. You know, all these different methods to uh, mm-hmm. get a better spin rate. Yeah. It, yeah. it definitely, yeah, it definitely will surprise people. It's not just 
the top pitchers who are doing it. It's it's everyone. Everyone goes to the glove or their hat for for uh, whatever reason. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know what uh, the yep. future holds with Do- Josh Donaldson and what he has to bring to the table. Uh, but I, I hope he has something. It would it would add some. By the uh, way, ran- random thing. Remember, remember that time in I think it was like 2017 or so in Yadier Molina. Like there was a ball in the dirt that ended up sticking to his chest protector. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that was like that. Those are other methods. Like you know, you might see it through catchers. It's not necessarily just you know guys who go from from hat to glove to arm. Like it, they do it in numerous different ways. Yeah, and it's not illegal for uh, it's not illegal for position players to have pine tar uh, or sticky stuff on their glove. So mm-hmm. you know, this is something that can be transmitted. You like when people talk about the the baseballs being like collected there's sticky stuff on the baseball it doesn't necessarily have to come from whatever the pitcher is using it can come from you know a catcher or you know beyond that first baseman yeah imagine a ground out to shortstop first baseman catches it with the pine tar in his hand throws it back to the pitcher even though it goes around the horn most of the time right and i yeah i imagine it's would it would be very easy for the catcher to get whatever they want onto the ball, you know, putting stuff on shin guards. There's a lot of places you can put it for, for a catcher mm-hmm. helmet. Yep. Um, yeah. So we'll see what Josh Donaldson has to uh, bring to the table. Uh, you know, I hope, I hope there's something out there. I, it would be, uh, it would be very interesting to see. It would be a very, interesting story and you know no one would get i don't think anyone would get punished for it because you know you need to do more than have a video or whatever this needs to be caught in game but this would be uh extremely interesting yeah i'm very intrigued all right one second all right and now we get into uh are you know one of probably our favorite part of the show the the part we've most prepared for for, part we've most prepared for uh where we you know highlight some uh good subject you know subjects that have been overperforming subjects that have been underperforming uh and i say subjects because that can be player team part of team you know like uh i did uh i did the giants pitching rotation or starting rotation a little uh while back but mostly it's players. So now we get into the Monday, May 31st, the uh, Memorial Day 2021 edition of... How about that? So who do you have to highlight for good reasons? So I got I got to make something up to a franchise because last time I, I talked about a Miami Marlins player on Slightly Alarming. So now I'm going to turn the tides and talk about another Miami Marlin on how about that? Guess it's May 14th. He is slashing 
432, 490, 773, and 1263. And also since May 20th, he is the major league leader in batting average with a 500, OBP with a 563, OPS with a 1527, Woba with a 630, and weighted runs created plus with a 310. All those are in his last nine games. Uh, he leads the majors, like I said, in all of those categories. And Garrett Cooper has been pretty much the best hitter in the league over the last week and a half or so. Wow. Garrett, Garrett Cooper. How about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a shot. So like in, over the past, how many games he's had a 1500 OPS? Since uh, his last nine games, three home runs. He's 14 for 28 with three home runs, six RBI. Yeah, that's longer yep. than a postseason series. That's pretty. Yep. Look at this guy. Wow. Garrett Cooper. Mm-hmm. Um. My uh, my, how about that is a uh, is another right-handed hitting player. You know, not not de- not uh, muddling down the uh, categories there, but not really singling out anybody uh, there. But uh, mine is a is a cardinal, Tyler O'Neill. He's been uh, he's been doing extremely well over the past month or so. Uh, on the season, he's hitting two seventy one with a nine fourteen OPS. And also a 153 OPS plus, uh, according to Baseball Savant, he is in the 100th percentile for expected slugging, and in the 98th percentile for expected woba. So this is not someone who is necessarily just just getting lucky uh, at all. He's he's uh, definitely earning all the uh, he's definitely earning his uh, his percentage points and all that. And in his last 24 games, particularly. He is hitting 326 with a 1096 OPS. And uh, also, since April 25th, um, actually, this stat was from yesterday, but I believe it is still true for uh, today. But since April 25th, even despite uh, despite missing... Uh, despite missing eight consecutive games since April 25th, he is still tied for third in home runs uh in this span so he's been incredible you know last 24 games 326 with a 1096 ops he earns a How about that? so yeah tyler o'neill garrett cooper uh carrying the freight for for their teams chris do you random trivia here do you remember who tyler o'neill was traded for um I should, uh, it's an active major leaguer. Um, if I feel like if I ask what team, that kind of gives it away. Was he in the top? No, no, he was. He wasn't in. The- yeah, I'm pretty sure he was a first round pick the year he was traded. Um, let me check that. He wasn't in the Tommy Pham trade. I don't think. No. Because uh, he's been. You there. might not. You might be surprised that the that the Cardinals ever had this guy. Um. Okay. That the Cardinals ever had. I'll give you. I'll give you another hint. It's a trade where, in hindsight, both teams benefited from it. It was mo- pretty much a one for one deal. Um. How no, did he was other... definitely not. But he was a third round pick. Never mind. How did the other team benefit? Like, was it a short term thing, or is he still there? No, it was. It's a player that's. It's a player that's still on the team that has been performing very well for them, during his time. Huh. 
I don't think it's not a lead Miss Diaz, is it? It is. It was one of my players to watch this year. Huh. That's a that's very interesting. Um, yeah. Oh, one of uh players to watch. I was thinking, how about that? So yeah, players to watch. I think he was a how about that of mine as well. Actually, he was definitely he was a slightly alarming of mine recently because he has kind of struggled out of the gate this year. Um, but Marco, he was one of my players to watch for sure. Marco Gonzalez. Hmm? Marco Gonzalez. Bingo. Ah, wow. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, it, it it's kind of worked out for both teams. And it, yeah, if if it that has. trade never if that trade never happened, it's just kind of like oh, the the Cardinals would just have better pitching and the Mariners would just have better hit. It, I feel like they'd the be Mariners would just have a seventh outfielder. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would be O'Neill, Kelnick, Lewis, a bunch of people. Rodriguez, Trammell. Right. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess that trade uh, in hindsight was definitely necessary for the for the Mariners for sure. And you yeah, know, I I'm pretty know. sure. Okay, well, I said first round pick. I think the correct thing is I believe he was a top 100 prospect when they traded him. He was like, or he was like at least a big name in the Mariners' farm. That seems because about I remember right. being very confused that the Mariners gave up like someone significant. Uh, Let me see. Minor league and false stats. Yeah, pre-2017, he was in baseball prospectus. He was number 53. Uh, he was traded uh, da, 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 after 2017. Uh, so pre-2018, he was in the 94th overall prospect. Yeah. Uh, which also is his you first to, year in the Cardinals system. If You have to consider, like, he was drafted in the third round out of high school. Like, so that meant if you went to college, he was mm-hmm. probably going to be a first rounder. Exactly. Oh, he's Canadian too. Didn't know. Yeah. Uh, so now from the highs to the lows, now we get into uh, subjects that have been underperforming. Now for today's, for uh, the 2021 Memorial Day edition of... Slightly alarming. So who do you have? Who's been struggling on your radar? So this is definitely a market issue, but this is a guy that was kind of looked at as one of the, the league superstars this time, maybe one year ago, two years ago, or something like that. And I was very high on him, but uh, he got hurt last year and he's been struggling this year and not a lot of people are talking about it. I'm looking at Matt Chapman. Ah. Uh, since May 19th, Matt Chapman is slashing 094. He's hitting under 100 since May 19th. I believe that's over 11 games played. Uh, he does have a 279 uh, OBP, so he is getting his walks in, but he also has an 094 slugging, which is the third worst in the majors. So he has not had an extra base hit in this sample. And overall, he is a 373 uh, OPS, which is a 44 weighted runs created plus, I believe. And since 2019, his exit velocity has, has gone down four and a half miles an hour. His expected weighted on base average has gone down nearly 60 points, and his strikeout rate has gone up nearly 10%. And worst of all, since 2020, He's lost 188 points in his expected slugging, and that drop-off between 2020 and 2021 is the second worst in the majors among qualifiers. So Matt Chapman has not been doing very well, and there hasn't been a ton of attention brought to it, especially if you look at, like, 
what Francisco Lindor has been doing with the Mets. There's been a lot of media attention around that, not nearly as much around Matt Chapman. And I think we all know why there's a difference between playing in New York and playing in Oakland, especially when the A's have other things to worry about right now. But Matt Chapman has certainly been a problem right now since the last uh, half month or so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't really know uh, that was occurring. Yeah. And this was one of the elite, elite players in baseball. He got MVP votes. I was, I was arguing he was a top three third baseman in the league before 2020. Yeah. And it was a, it was a very good argument, you know, in uh, 2018 and 2019, seventh and sixth in the MVP vote respectively. He was my 2020 AL MVP prediction. uh, Mm -hmm. And, and because, you know, I, I was pretty high on the, I believe I believed that he would have a very good 2020 and, you know, got injured about two thirds of the way through and was out for the season. And, uh, you know, not quite the same. I forget what the injury was that sidelined him. I do too. I, I, yeah. Uh, you know, that can, that can be looked up, but I wonder if it is something that could. I'm glad he's getting his walks in at least though. Cause I mean, like if he, if his walk rate wasn't so huge, like, it, it looks a lot worse than it already does. Um, it says, uh, it says it was a hip. He had to get hip surgery. So it could be a, a lingering thing. Like hips are very important in, in hitting. It could. And, uh, you know. Yeah. I mean, and like, and it makes sense because when you look at his slash line, some of the severe problems have been with the actual hitting part. Cause like I just said, he's getting his walks and he has a 279 uh, on base percentage, but he hasn't had an extra base hit uh since at least two weeks ago and at the same time he's hitting under 100 oh yeah and if and you mentioned the savant stats you know if the exit velocity is way down he's not getting as much power behind the ball it might be a a thing with with hip transfer likely like i mean the hip could still be a problem yeah it, it very well could be like there's a there's definitely a um, an argument there that his hip is still lingering him. Like it, his exit velocity has gone down like four and a half miles per hour, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it went from like ninety two something to eighty eight something. Yeah, that's uh that's pretty major. Yeah, I'm looking at his savant. His hard hit percentage has gone down, uh, tw- you know, over twelve percentage points or yeah, over 13 percentage points, uh, since 2020, um, you know, he's striking, he's striking out at approximately the same rate as 2020, a little more than before, but, and, uh, he's walking more than he has ever has. So yeah, his uh, walks are, have been awesome. Yeah. His, his walk rate is 14.4%. Uh, it was never above 10.9%. It's in, it's in the top 10 percentile. Yeah, yeah, it's his walk percentage is in the, is in the ninety third percentile in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty intriguing. Uh, something to keep your eye on, you know, because this could be this could be a lingering issue from. Uh, don't be surprised. Year. I was say, don't be surprised if we see a, an IL stint in the next coming weeks or so. Yeah, which is, uh, you know, pretty terrible, especially from someone who was an elite player in. 2018 and 2019 and you know potentially probably could have been top 10 in wins above replacement if he played a full 2020 as well yeah i would uh, even say top five right yeah 
you know, you uh, you don't want to see uh, that that guy's downfall because he's one of the reasons to watch the. He's been one of the reasons to watch the Oakland A's uh, over the past few years, but not doing the best. Um, this, you know, we actually have a, a bit of similarity in our slightly alarmings. I have another American League West third baseman uh, for slightly alarming. Oh, I was gonna, I was gonna go with him. Yeah, I'm talking about. I already Anthony. know who it is because I was looking at him. Yeah, Anthony Rendon, um, going with the theme of AL West third baseman. Uh, currently, he's hitting. And you could also, you could also have said Kyle Seager too. Oh right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's yeah, AL West third baseman outside of like Alex Bregman. Uh, not doing great. I was I was thinking about I was thinking about Rendon, but I looked at Seager too. I was like, oh, he hasn't been doing too well either. Yeah, I think. Uh, I, I was looking like more uh, long, more long term. Uh, yeah, long term, yep. you know, bad play. Uh, yeah, Rendon currently at, in 2021. And by the way, these stats are all through May 30th. Uh, if if uh, the audience is wondering, he's currently hitting 220 with a 636 OPS. Uh, his expected WOBA is in the 20th percentile, so he's not really getting unlucky. Uh, his expected WOBA is pretty much perfectly in line with his actual weighted on base average. And uh, on May 3rd, he suffered a knee, condu- knee contusion from a foul ball, which uh, sent him to the IL. And since coming back from the IL, he is hitting 167 with a 465 OPS in 17 games. Uh, also, uh, so, you know, injury maybe could be linked to uh, his his lack of success uh, in the past 17 games. You know, 465 OPS is not what you want to see from a guy like Rendon. And, uh, you know, in terms of more savant stuff, his line drive rate is the lowest it has ever been in the StatCast era. And his pop-up rate is the highest it's ever been in the StatCast era by uh, by a significant margin. So... Anthony Rendon and Matt Chapman, the AL West third baseman, uh, looking slightly alarming. Uh, not great, not great to see. Uh, you want to, yeah, you want to see superstars perform like the superstars that they are. So, uh, injuries could be playing a factor with those two. Probably more with Chapman than Rendon, but uh, not great. Anyway, uh, that leads to. Uh, our preview of the week week ahead. Um, I'm probably going to look at some series. Daniel's going to look at some day by day matchups, uh, especially in the pitching department. I'll start. Um, I'll start with uh, with some series. It's it's hard because uh, the two series, one of the two series that I highlighted uh, last week or last episode, uh, one of the two. Uh, one of the two series, like both are playing very good series uh, this week. So I hate to repeat teams, but uh, yep. kind of the top two series to look at for me, from my point of view is Astros, Red Sox and uh, Cubs, Padres, Cubs, Padres kind of hits me more because, you know, we talked about the Cubs. Uh, we talked about the Cubs last episode and how, you know, they were on a very hot streak and uh how it's kind of continued now but they're going to be facing a stretch of 
about two and a half weeks of very, very tough competition. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it. And it starts with the Padres, where they will be playing in Wrigley Field uh, for, I believe, a three-game. I believe it is a three-game series. Uh, yeah, it seems that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then Cubs face the Giants on Thursday. So it's going to be a three-game series with Cubs Padres as on Monday, which is going to be happening actually about an hour after the recording. You have Chris Paddock versus Cole Stewart, who's going to be making his first start of 2021. First start since 2019, it looks like. Then on Tuesday, Tuesday it's going to be Kyle Hendricks, who is kind of recovered from his bad April versus Ryan Weathers, who, uh, you know, very good pitcher, gets about three or four innings per start. That's what Jace Tingler allows from him. So that'll be interesting to watch. And then Wednesday, you got Daniel's player to watch, Adbert Alzale, who's looking like he's having a pretty good 2021, versus uh, Denelson Lamette, who uh, was a candidate for all MLB team last year. And uh, he's made two starts thus far this year, was injured, and uh, that's going to be a matchup Wednesday afternoon. And then uh, Red Sox-Astros, that's kind of the second series to look at. Monday, you got Urquidy Rodriguez. Tuesday, you have Luis Garcia, Garrett Richards. Uh, that This is also a four-gamer, by the way. Wednesday is Framber Valdez versus Nick Pavetta. And Thursday is Jake Odorizzi, uh, Martin Perez. So not a lot of elite arms going, but you know, two, two of the best offenses in the American League going against each other in Houston. Houston also, uh, they've lost six of their last eight, so maybe they can try to uh, stop the bleeding there against the Red Sox. It'll be a tough task. But, uh, yeah, those are my series to look at. Yeah. Uh, who do you – what are you looking at day uh, by day? Uh, well, what I'm looking at day by day is how conflicted we're going to be watching the Red Sox face Jose Urquidy. That's true. Yeah, I mean – we're we're all he's, he's our guy yeah <laughs> yeah um so monday's pretty easy as far as pitching matchups there's only really one that pops out to me uh at 9 10 tonight eastern time you got jack flaherty versus trevor bauer uh, cardinals dodgers going up in la this week by the way i just want to i just want to silenting four series and you know, I'm not denying that he's a great pitcher, but I'm kind of out on some of the stuff he's doing, man. Um, of, of the sword celebration and the one, the one eye thing. Oh, you're kind of you're kind of out on him. Yeah, like you saw that tweet that he had, right? Yeah, he's getting a bit like, carried there's no, away. No, there's there's no patent on celebrations. Anyone can do what they want. Like there's no, there's no, like you don't have a right to any of the celebrations. And I don't understand why he thinks he does. It's very weird to me. Uh, anyway, that's that. And Oh yes. The Indians like five minutes ago announced their starting pitching for the week uh, on Tuesday. My matchup to watch is Dylan sees versus Shane Bieber. That one's pretty easy. Uh, I was waiting on the Indians to get back on that. So 
I could I could actually you know announce that. Also, Aaron Nola versus Sonny Gray on Saturday. Uh, Phillies Reds. That'll be a good one. And then Wednesday. Um, Wednesday, my matchup to watch is definitely um, Albert Alzale, like you mentioned. You know, you mentioned Nelson Lamette. Albert Alzale, he was my player to watch, and I got some numbers on him. Uh, in his last six starts, Chris, he is a 3.12 ERA and 34 and two-thirds innings pitched with 34 strikeouts and five walks. Wow. Keeping the walks down. Yeah, he's been – he's been – he had a – he struggled a bit at the beginning of the season, but he's been picking it up. And his, I believe that walk rate, that walks per nine since April 29th is, I think, like the ninth best in the majors or something like that. I looked it up the other day, but it's probably since updated. That's very interesting. I, was was he the per? Did he have like walk issues last year and he's solving them this year? Or am I yes. thinking of another person? Yep. No, I'm pretty hear. sure he did last year. Um, let me just go on his page. But yeah, I think his problem was he had like five walks per nine or something like that. Uh, the only issue is five, uh, three of those five walks over his last six starts were in his last outing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had 5.5 walks. He had 5.5 walks per nine this year, 1.8, or last year versus this year. His strikeout uh, per nine has gone down by three, but I mean, it's a, it's a larger sample size. You can't expect 12.2 uh, to be sustainable at all. Yeah. And, and his strikeout so, to walk ratio has doubled. Yes, it has. So that's awesome. And his hits per nine is still at 6.5, which is pretty good. Yeah, I think the only problem for him is uh, home runs. Yeah, but I mean, that's kind of a problem for everyone at this point. Yeah, sort of. But yeah, that's that's my Albert Alzale segment. <laughs> All right. Um so that does it for this uh, edition of Above Replacement Radio. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, want to watch the conversation as it happens, go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's called Above Replacement Radio. Uh, also, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran and follow the show Instagram at above replacement radio uh, to get all the, all the show needs and updates. And we hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you on Thursday where we will be talking all the happenings in major league baseball and probably the series and matchups that we just discussed in the preview. So we will see you then. This conversation, this conversation is over. Is over.